Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, ask questions, and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now, Taz and Paula. Paula, are you there? Hello, Paula. Paula. Paula, hello, hello. Paula. Hello. Paula, Hello. what's happening? Yeah. I called. They, I called. They said you weren't there. Uh, Paula, just pop me in. Let's go for the thing. Okay. And when I tried to get called back, then I lost everything. Hold on. Love Talk Radio. 
coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting. The International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, ask questions, and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now, Taz and Paula. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Taz and Paula show. Good morning, Madeline here. Oh, hi, Madeline. We're going to introduce you. Okay. uh, Just let you know I'm here. (laughs) Taz, are you there? Yes. Okay. Well, let's get started. Our guest, Madeline Walker, is an author, animal psychic, animal communicator, a shamanic healer that offers healing to human clients as well as animals. She travels internationally running clients to work with I'm sorry, let me start this over again. She travels internationally running clinics to work with wild species in their natural habitat and is passionate about conveying the messages she intuits from these wise creatures, gaining wisdom from for planetary healing. Her research has taken her to Egypt, the Azores, and the USA to study the knowledge of, of ancient cultures. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Madeline often finds herself in dangerous places to reach the parts of the animal world that are often ignored. Her thrilling global travels bring her face-to-face with the big guns of the animal kingdom like whales, sharks, elephants, manta rays, and white lions for profound and illuminating messages which she has brought to us in her second book, The Whale Whisperer. Thank goodness for us, Madeline, that you've been following your heart to all of that is in natural, animal, and spirit form, which allows us to view a multi-dimensional doorway that we've been born into. We, I mean, Madeline, you are following your heart, and this is really making a difference in the world, and we appreciate you so much, and we're so happy to have you with us today on our show. Well, thank you Welcome. so much for inviting me. I'm so happy to be with you to spread the wisdom of the animals because it's so important that we really reconnect with the animal kingdom now because without the animal kingdom, there's not much future for humankind and they are so committed to helping us heal ourselves and to be reconnected with Mother Earth. It's really vital at this time that we start listening to them and working with them as opposed to against them. That is so true. Did you work... Yeah. Uh, did you work with animals when you were a young child, or did you, you know, um, have the kind of capabilities when you were younger? As you well, I've always been them? totally obsessed with animals. My mother was very long-suffering because we had a huge menagerie, and I started working as a veterinarian nurse 
and one of the occupational hazards was to bring home all the wastes and strays and the animals that had been dumped there and nobody had claimed, so I would bring them home and my mother, bless her heart, would always find love and board and lodgings for them. So it's always been a lifelong passion, but at this level, in these dimensions, it's really expanded more and more and the animals have taken me on such an incredible journey not only domestic pets in the way that they've shown how I can heal their owners using the techniques of the animals, but also working with the wild species who have such a strong connection with their hooves or fins or paws on the pulse of the planet. So it's been an amazing roller coaster journey. You know, not many people are able to um, perform their purpose. I mean, so many people I've talked to, they're still looking for their purpose in life, and it looks like you found it right away. <laughs> well, I feel that I've been um, on a vertical learning curve because it has taken me in some very far-out directions, and some of the messages have been so mind-blowing and really, really out there that I'm thinking, how can I say this? People are going to think I'm crazy, <laughs> and I've doubted my sanity <laughs> on more than one occasion, but I know that I have to trust them now because... They've led me down such an incredible path, and I know that their techniques have helped so many animals and, and their humans that I just have to um, go with it now and, and trust them implicitly. Uh, and I feel so blessed to have had their guidance. Well, the, in your book, The Whale Whisperer, somebody wrote, because I was you know, reading the reviews on your book, and somebody wrote, this book should be in every schoolroom for children to read. And so that was really a profound statement um, because we have to start out with our children knowing how important animals are. Absolutely, absolutely. And my, my children have always had so many animals to interact with and learn to respect them. And my youngest son has Asperger's and his, his pet goat was one of the first chapters in my first book, An Exchange of Love. I wrote a chapter about just how much she really brought him out of himself. He was only really happy when he had his uh, gumboots on and his arms wrapped around this goat, and she was just so patient with him. And he has an enormous capacity for respect for animals and the planet now, and animals love his energy. He's an amazing healer, though he's a, he's a teenager now, so it's not that cool to be talking about healing and that sort of thing, but I hope that he'll come back to it because he's has so many healing abilities, and he's a very special young man. Uh, obviously, he's led me down uh, an incredible path of complementary therapies um, because nothing conventional suited him. So he's, I know we've contracted to be together to really, really learn from each other, but the animals, again, have been the glue between us. Now, were you using, because um, you just said a moment ago that you use animals to help uh people heal by listening to their animals. Uh, did you learn this through your son and the goat, or were you doing this beforehand? Uh, I think it, I was doing it before then, but, but the, this goat called Mulberry just helped everything expand um, more and more. And, and the, as I say, the directions of the animals coming in, the new clients coming in, have taught me so much. Uh, just the most incredible healing techniques of because uh, one of the first messages that an animal actually spoke to me about, it was spooky enough hearing the animal speak to me in my mind, 
but the subject matter really blew my socks off because it started to talk about reincarnation and about how it had chosen to come back to reincarnate to be with my friend once more during a very difficult time in her life. So I was sort of open to human reincarnation, but I hadn't really thought about animals uh, living and sharing many lifetimes with their humans or in different guises. Um, so that was a whole new dimension to get my head around, and from then it's just led me in the most incredible directions where animals have taught me how to help their owners go back and rewrite a past life trauma to create a whole new life script, and that's had the most incredible healing results. Um, they've talked about going back to our pre-birth soul agreement meetings where we agree uh, to take on the challenges that we're going to be faced with when we next incarnate, and they've shown me how we can go back and write new clauses in our contract to change our our present lifetimes. And all those techniques the animals have taught me have been so amazing to help people to really recreate um, the best possible realities for them from now on. And it's just been amazing. Um, I've had one lady that actually I had an email today. She's had six miscarriages and there was nothing physically wrong with her to stop her conceiving, but her horse told me there were some problems, uh, there were some past life issues that were creating her subconscious belief that in order to have a child would be unsafe because she'd had very unsafe situations in her past lives. So when we went back and intuited those past life traumas and rewrote them, uh, a few months later, not long after, she emailed me and said that she was pregnant. And this morning I got an email from her saying that she'd had a little boy on Sunday and she was so grateful because it has been years and years of trying to conceive. And I was so thrilled for her because she had really suffered so much, so much grief. And it was so amazing that her horse flagged this up so we could heal it. And so the end result for her to have to hold her little boy with such joy it just gives me so much joy this morning. So I really wanted to oh, share wow. that story with you because it feels so important that I can be of service with the help of the animals to help as many people and animals as possible. It's, it's, I mean, I believe in reincarnation for animals, but it really blows my mind that they tell you about contracts. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's mind-blowing. It really is. So you can, so people can actually go back and rewrite a contract to be able to yeah, heal this Yeah, they can part. rewrite a contract. Or they, with a sole contract, they can write in a new clause. A little cat called Cindy gave me this technique, and I thought, well, okay, let's give it a try. How does this work? So the cat downloaded the whole procedure uh, to help her owner, and we did that, and her owner's life has completely changed. Um, one horse said to me, well, can't we just have a happy ending? Can't we just rewrite that lifetime? I said, okay, well, you tell me how to do it and we'll do it. And it's like that you observe this past life trauma as though you're watching a video and you just say to yourself, well, that's a pretty horrible ending. Let's have a new ending. So as director of our lives, like we are, we are all directors of our lives, um, you can say, okay, so how would I create a whole new happy ending where the only memories that I store and bring back in my DNA at a cellular level are ones of peace and relief and love and safety. And so you create a whole new dimension where the trauma never happened. And those are the memories that you bring back to only give you positive, um, healing, um, empowered 
memories and energy within your DNA to then go forward in your life. And when it's when I first started doing this, I didn't know how on earth it worked. It just seemed to work. But I believe that we store many of our cellular memories in our what's called junk DNA, uh, and that we can actually create a whole new dimension where we can actually go and reclaim gifts that we had because not all past lives have been traumatic. Some are very wonderful and we can actually go back and get those strengths and qualities and skills that we need and deserve in our present lifetime. So the animals know all this stuff. That's what's so mind-blowing. That's what blows me away by them. And the wild species know all the planetary healing stuff. So it's it's pretty awesome and I feel so blessed that I have the chance to be guided by them and um, to be of service with the help of the animals. Well, I'm sure I've had many, I was going to say I'm sure I've had many lives with my dog that we have. I just know that <laughs> for sure. Mm. Well, we do. You know, that's they're, they are huge sentient beings that, that know so much about us, far more than we could ever have imagined. Madeline, does that mean that we can actually rewrite our um, contract and that we can have different experiences at, in our present life as well. I'm so sorry, you're breaking up a little bit. I didn't hear you very clearly. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Does that mean that we can rewrite our contract um, and change our our outcome in this present life as well? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we can. We can. Um, what this cat said to me was that we need to visualize going back to. It's almost like a board meeting where you have a big table, and all the people and animals that you're going to interact with uh, in this present incarnation are all there at this meeting, and everything that is decided comes from a place of love. So even the people that give you the greatest challenges, that might seem as though they're being very, very hurtful and very um, unkind to you. It will all be part of your soul journey. So it's not about punishment or blame or I don't really buy into bad karma. It's just an experience. So you may well have had some very, very challenging difficulties in your current lifetime. But what you can do, what this cat guided me to to um, perform with her owner was to go back and look at your contract. It may be like a big folder or a big scroll. And you just write you imagine writing with a, a wonderful feather quill, dipping in some magic ink, and you write exactly what you want in your life from now on. So you write your new clauses in your contract. And everybody else that's at that meeting has the energy of what you've written uh, sort of imbued into their contract. So everybody else has to abide by that, providing that it's for the highest good of everybody. You're not writing anything to be... Um, nasty to anybody else or you know to uh, walk over anybody else it's just for your own re-empowerment as it were then somehow those the energy of that starts to recreate a much more positive empowered current um, lifestyle so it, it's quite amazing how it works I was um, quite shocked that this cat would know how to guide us through it but it's uh, it's been having the most amazing results with clients that I've been working with. So is that the uh, the cat, what the cat told you, is that in one of your books? No, it's in my new book I'm just started to write now because I feel so passionate about sharing the techniques from these animals because the case studies have been so, so mind-blowing. 
So the new book is um, in two parts because I've had so many amazing new messages from the wild species. Uh, earlier this year, I was in Mexico with blue whales and grey whales, and then a month later, I was in South Africa with the Kalahari bushmen and the white lions again. And I've got so much more that I want to write about. So uh, I'm busy typing away, typing up all these case studies because I really want to share them with people so people can learn to do them themselves. Um, and also I provide a service that I can maybe help people as well. So I just feel, as I said, so uh, committed to spread the wisdom of the animals because I just feel if I don't, then I'm failing them. So I need to, I really need to do it. Uh, and it's my, I feel it's my duty and my mission and my passion to do it. Now, um, you've studied ancient cultures and you spoke of the Bushmen in Africa. Do they actually um, converse with the white lion? Um, the indigenous peoples do. The Shangan tribe um, believe, or believed that when the white lions returned to the wild in this very sacred area in South Africa called Timbavati, when the white lions returned, they believe that Africa and therefore the planet can start to heal because Africa has seems to have a wars raging permanently in various um, African nations, and it just seems such an area of turmoil because of all the uh, mineral resources, etc. There uh, it seems to be um, a, a place that is fought over so much, and. The animals, when they say that when the white lions return, they said that peace can start to prevail, that the white lions will start to somehow help the energies to reconnect and to reawaken the spiritual awareness of people to realize how important our planet is and how we need to respect each other and the planet. That's interesting because in 1995... I was I fell and I was injured and during that period of time there was a white lion that would come with to me every night and kind of merge with my body and wow. I would be able to sleep without pain and I Fantastic. think I was blown away yeah the 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 mane was just like magic every time I would lay on the mane I, on my pillow it would definitely you know it would put me to sleep and the and the line would merge with my body. It was like really peaceful. It was it was amazing. The energy of the white lions is, is something almost indescribable. They're known as the uh, children of the sun god. These are they believe they are star beings. They are star beings that have come uh, into our planet to bring this healing and this magical energy. And when you see them up close, um, this wonderful woman called Linda Tucker who has a book out called The Mystery of the White Lions, Children of the Sun God. She has done the most incredible work with getting sponsorship to buy huge areas of land to create a safe reserve for the white lions. And she's rescued white lions from captivity that have been bred for this awful trade called canned hunting, where these white lions have been bred in captivity for people to go and just shoot them as trophy hunting. Um, and so she's now managed to get enough land to create wild prides and you can go and, and stay with them and go out and visit the white lions and to see them close up they have the most incredible ice blue eyes and when you are 
gazed upon by one of these lions, it's oh, it's something else. It just it's like they they really gaze deep into your soul. And mm-hmm. there's a beautiful uh, male lion called Mandler, who's a patriarch of the whole pride, and he is immense. And when you hear him roar, it just seems to rattle every cell of your body, and it's it's just absolutely mind-blowing and he's he's been a huge driving force behind me i met him um nearly four years ago the first time and he said that we must be lion-hearted in our endeavors to step up to the plate to start working with the animals so that they can help us help them help the planet and so i feel he's been driving me forward to keep um journeying to meet the wild species to, to spread their wisdom to make these reconnections and seeing him again, Oops, he cut meet out. him again because he is just yeah. the most immense being, and he just gave us so many incredible messages. He was when we saw him, he was uh, washing his wife, his lion wife's face with such loving reverence, and he was just displaying complete unconditional love to us. And we just sat there completely transfixed watching him adore his his wife and it it was just the most amazing scene to witness uh just beautiful uh do you know how many white lions they do they have on the preserve um they have we just think they've just got some uh new tawny uh, lionesses now to to breed with them they've got about uh i think it's about six or seven now white lions but they've managed to secure some more land so they can now breed. There hasn't been enough space to allow them to breed, but now they can breed again now. And um, so with these tawny lionesses, which hopefully have the white gene, having the male uh, lions uh, breed with them, they should prov- uh, produce white offspring. So they have some lovely new uh, gene pools coming in to create a whole new dynasty of these incredible star beings. So it's all very exciting. Now, our Native American Indian, um, they speak of the white elephant. And do you believe that the white elephant and the, the white lion brings in the same message? Or? Uh, yes, and, and the white buffalo, of course, as well. I was lucky enough to meet the white yeah, buffalo in yeah. Flagstaff. Um, That's what I meant with buffalo, and I said elephant, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, I was. Um, I'd visited uh, Flagstaff um, in Arizona, and I've been to the Grand Canyon and, and just been blown away by the energies there. And we'd just driven past this this place that had said the home of the white buffalo, and I thought maybe they just had some information about it. So we went in, and uh, I didn't really expect to meet a real live white buffalo. Uh, but when we went out the back of this place, there there were white mother and white calves and I just burst into tears because I just felt that's it, I can die happy now um, and what the mother let me touch her and let me touch her, her calf and I got a beautiful message from the white buffalo calf and it, it, it these white creatures are really coming to the fore now and I feel that they're all part of the whole ascension process so I feel that they're the whole message is about interspecies unification. It's about unifying all beings, all living creatures on the planet to learn to respect each other uh, on all levels. And this is what I feel, again, so passionate. This new book is called Unity because 
it combines the personal and the planetary healing, but also showing us how incredible the animal kingdom is on so many levels. And we, have, we really have to think of them as our greatest teachers and healers. You must be so excited to have this. Um, and you said the new book is called Unity, and you're working yeah. on it presently. Is that right? Yes, that's um, right. Yes. So, yeah. So, when will this new book be out? Well, I'm looking for um, a bigger publisher. To be honest, I have been with a lovely publishing company called Shintorn Press, um, but I really want to hopefully work with a major, a, a bigger company to really, really um, get the message out there even more. Fintorn have been absolutely fantastic. They've really helped me in so many ways. I've had two books for them now and, and two meditation CDs and a wonderful pack of oracle cards. They've been kind enough to uh, produce uh, for me with a wonderful graphic artist called Richard Crooks. So they have been extremely good to me. Um, but I really feel I need to crank it up a gear for the sake of the animals because I feel time is of the essence. So uh, I'm just putting it out there, and uh, we'll see what unfolds. Uh, in the uh, United States, the Louise Hayes, that might be a good source. Yeah, well, I find that I have um, quite a lot of interest from uh, Hay House in the U.K., so they've been reading my material, so I'm waiting to hear back whether they're going to go with it or not. I hope they will. Um, they seem very interested, so everything crossed. <laughs> I know the universe will make it happen because uh, it has to. Um, I'll just um, publish it myself otherwise, but I, it, it has to get out there. So I feel very, very excited about it. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you that Hay House picks you up because that will be a great I hope so. Us. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so the, are the dolphins and the whales uh, star beings also? Well, I believe they are. I believe especially the whales are sort of like senior management, but the white lions and the whales have told me that they are actually co-guardians of the planet because the whales are guardians of the oceans and obviously, you know, we are a blue planet, so it's a huge part of our, our planet, but the white lions are guardians of the land masses. But they also, one of the messages from the big male lion was that he wanted his heart energy to combine with this amazing blue whale uh, that I met in February. She talked about having the biggest lungs of any creature. I mean, these are the biggest creature on the planet. They're about 100 foot long. So we met four or five of them. So to meet a blue whale um, was just so extraordinary um, to have the chance to meet a blue whale and to talk to a blue whale. And this wonderful blue whale mother talked about having the biggest lungs and the biggest lung capacity to hold a divine breath for the planet, but also because she's the biggest creature on the planet, they have the biggest heart. So she talked about having this divine heart energy for us. And then when I met the big white lion a month later, he said that he wanted to combine his heart energy with the blue whale mother heart energy to create even more uh, love for all living beings on the planet. So that was such an incredible... That's why he was demonstrating that um, affection and adoration to his his uh, lion wife. This is what he was showing us, symbolic of the love in his heart that he wanted us to share uh, with the planet. So it's, uh, yeah, just amazing. So the, the whales, I believe, are the record keepers of all the ancient wisdom. 
Um, some people have called it the, the Akashic Records. Uh, others have said that the whales have told them they call it the Library of Love, which I think is a wonderful, a wonderful way of describing it. The dolphins, I feel, spread so much joy. They, their message seems to be about being in joy, remembering our joy, whereas the whales, it feels like a, again like another step up in the for the management of the planet. The the whales are just incredible. And every species of whale that I've met and swam with, they all have the same message. There's like a, a whale consciousness, and that is always um, just imbuing every molecule of the ocean with their love to be spread to the shores, into the land masses. And despite what we've done to these beautiful creatures, having decimated their numbers and still continue to decimate their numbers, they still only want to send us love and to heal us and to heal the planet. So do you feel that you're a liaison between animal species? Because it was like sending messages back and forth from the lion and the whale. Is that Yeah, I feel I feel that I am and if I can I mean, I've, I've recorded all my messages, I write them all down and I've recorded the whale sound and, and uh, one of the messages from the sperm whales that I, spat, I swam with of Dominico, they don't sing, they have this encoded clicking language and they told me that I had to go and meet the Kalahari Bushmen because the Kalahari Bushmen still have that click in their ancient uh, language in the way that they speak. So at the time when I swam with the sperm whales and got that message, I wasn't sure how I would ever get to meet the, the Bushmen. But then just this year, the opportunity arose, and so I recorded the Bushmen speaking using their clicks right next to the recording of the sperm whale uh, that we recorded with a hydrophone as they were clicking away underwater. So I felt that that was a great way of making that connection. So I hope that I am a, a bridge, I'm a conduit, of of those reconnections and um, I just do as I'm guided and hope that I you know, to the very best of my ability that I'm achieving this and creating a reconnection and hopefully helping to heal the planet in whatever way I can you, you know what's really funny when I wrote uh, uh, the introduction to, about you on blog talk radio uh, I wrote world bridger so that's really funny that I chose those words, and you you just said you're you're a bridger. So that was a coincidence, maybe. <laughs> well, obviously, uh, perfect choice of words. But I feel I was I was in um, New Zealand. I had to go to New Zealand last year to speak at a big conference, and I had one morning off, and I went to a big Maori um, sort of traditional sort of centre for them, and I had. Um, a huge download from the ancestors that I felt, the spirit ancestors of the Maoris that were there. And they told me, sort of play on my surname, a walker. They said that I am a walker between worlds, uh, bringing the wisdom from between the dimensions of, of the worlds to help spread healing and guidance from the animal kingdom, from the different dimensions. Uh, and that is what my, why I have my, my surname, which is my married name, but they said to me that I am a walker between worlds, so I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> sure is. Wow. Yeah. Now you said actually that you um, you recorded between the way uh, the whale um, clicking and also this gentleman's clicking. 
when yeah. he spoke. And did you know what he was saying when he was, I, I mean, did you understand what he was saying? And if that's the case, then could you make a connection between maybe what the whale was saying? Um, yeah, the the whales are talking about that we need to find our voice, our sound, because all the animals have their own sound um, that is innate from within them, and that humans are the only animals that don't really have that sound. Um, but the, the Bushmen are so deeply connected to nature that they still hold that. They said that these clicks come from ancient Atlantis and Lemuria. It's, it comes from that far back. And it was really bizarre sitting in the middle of the Kalahari Desert with this incredible shaman called Isak discussing the oceans and the whales and Atlantis and Lemuria. And he'd never been anywhere except in the desert. And obviously he'd never seen the ocean. But he knew exactly what I was talking about and was completely um, in tune with everything that I said. And so he was talking uh, in his language about the connections between the oceans and all those kinds of things and the whales uh, and the universe and all the dimensions. And then he he said all those words in his language using the clicks and then he translated into English. He had said that his English wasn't very good, but it was excellent. And <laughs> he, he then translated exactly what he'd said, which I recorded as well. So I had the translation as well as his beautiful spoken word using the clicks. And I, it was just such a privilege for him to spare that time, to spend that time with me, to help me and allow me to record his voice. And he was just the most amazing, amazing man. Have you ever thought about making a film? I mean, this is this. <laughs> what you've done is amazing. Oh, I would amazing. love to. I would love to. But um, that would be, you know, sort of the next gear up. Um, that's why I'm hoping that if I can get the book out and it can be big enough that people will, you know, allow me to to make these films and and to spread the word even more because it's so important. I'm not important, but the messages are, that come through me are really important. And I don't want to feel that I'm I'm failing or letting the animal kingdom down. So I just have to keep pushing forwards as much as I can. And that's why it's so lovely to be able to speak to people like yourselves um, because it, you know it's such a help to raise awareness and hopefully something will resonate with your listeners that will spread the message even further. Now, when you were talking about the, uh, the Bushmen, uh, I had seen a film and I... The, uh, the tribe that's fairly tall, and uh, if I remember right, their language was kind of a clicking, and mm-hmm. they would have their cattle, and they would talk to the lions and ask the lions not to attack their cattle, and the yeah. lions wouldn't. They they laid all around the cattle and they didn't touch them. Was it probably the Maasai? Are they the Maasai? They're yeah, very tall, so, yeah. and they do again have a kind of a click, not quite as pronounced as the Bushmen's language, but mm-hmm. Again, these people, these indigenous peoples, have such an incredible connection to the wild species and to nature. Same as the Native Americans, the Aboriginals. I was in when I went to New Zealand. I then went to Australia and did some healing work at Uluru, Ayers Rock, and um, again felt tremendous spirit energy from the um, Aboriginal elders. And they have all these skills that we've forgotten. Western man has become so 
disconnected and have have this perception of separation and isolation from ourselves and our fellow man and the planet. And we need to start to reconnect and be re-empowered to really go forwards if we have any chance of a future. We have to, as I said before, we have to really reconnect with the, the animal kingdom and the planet and ourselves because we've really not um, done a very good job for ourselves and for our planet and for our, our children and our children's children. Now, I know, uh, have you re- have you connected with the plant life or trees or anything like this? Yeah, definitely. Um, funnily enough, the whales were talking about the standing people, the trees, they talk about um, oxygenating the oceans with these huge lungs, it's this divine breath. But they said that the standing people do this for for the for the air on the land. And so I do connect with trees quite a lot. I I love working with trees, uh, my land plants. But trees again seem to be such ancient souls and. Uh, I have a, one special tree that I, when I walk my dogs in these woods, I have a special tree, and I always feel fairy energy all around this tree. So I always go and, and hug this tree, and it has the most amazing uh, aroma when it's been raining. Its bark just has this amazing smell. It's, a, it's an oak tree, and I always go and, and sniff this tree. And my, if I, my son's walking with me, he, he just tells me off because he's oh. What are you doing to that tree? <laughs> I go, I'm just smelling it. He thinks I'm crazy. But anyway, um, I feel the minute I connect with this tree, it takes me straight up into the into the universe. And so trees are so important and so special, and I feel that they resonate with many, many people. Oh, yes. I, I have conversations with the trees on my property all the time. <laughs> Fantastic. I even, I even ask if it's okay to trim a, a branch. <laughs> Well, that just shows respect, and I think that's wonderful. So, um, out of all your travels, I know you love the white lions, but um, did you have an incredible, uh, another incredible story, like working with elephants, or? Uh, well, I've worked with Indian elephants. I'm looking for. I'm going back to South Africa in August next month to uh, work with some African elephants. But in India, I met uh, a beautiful elephant in Rajasthan, um, in sorry, in Jaipur, and this beautiful elephant was called Bubbly, which I thought was such a lovely name. But all she did day in, day out, was to carry tourists up to the city palace. Every day, that's all she did was to carry people all the way up to the city palace, which was a very long, steep climb in terrific heat. And then she would be led back down again, and then she would bring the next load back up. And I asked her, what, was, what did she need to teach me? What could I learn from this? And she said that I needed to learn patience and acceptance, and that she had chosen this role to show us humans that we needed to learn acceptance and patience. And then I went to the Andaman Islands uh, off the south of India to... Um, swim with the only ocean-swimming elephant called Rajan. And he had been an ex-logging elephant and had had a terribly cruel uh, lifetime. He was now retired and was very, very old. And his mahout would take him into the sea every day and swim. And the salt water used to do his joints 
a lot of good. Sorry, my dog's barking. And um, he would allow us to swim with him. But he told me that he was holding man's pain. He was carrying the energy of man's pain. And I asked him if I could help him release that. And he said, no, this was his role. He was a huge soul that had chosen to carry that um, that pain for humankind in order to hold the space for us to learn how to heal ourselves. And I was just so in awe of this being that he would choose to do that. And it's the same with, with captive dolphins. They told me that they choose to be there for what they need to teach us. Uh, however, on a, um, like a three-dimensional conscious level, it can be a very, very difficult lifetime life for them. But on a soul level, in the higher dimensions, they make that choice in order to help humankind. And not everybody's able to go and swim with wild dolphins, so they can reach far more people by being in these awful oceanariums where... You know, Joe Bloggs and the wife and the kids go and swim with these dolphins. They get the healing energy from them, even if they're not conscious of it. But on some level, the dolphins are reaching them. And so I just feel so amazed that these creatures will take on these incredibly difficult, awful lifetimes in order to to teach and to hold that space for us. I don't know if it was on your website or Anne's website. I read a, a story about um, working with a, a dolphin that was in captivity. And uh, if it were you, I, I don't know if it was you, that you helped her be able to go into the dimensions that she could feel like she was actually out in the wild. Yeah, that's right. That, uh, there's a picture of me with that dolphin on my first book, An Exchange of Love. And, yeah, when I, I just got called to go to this, uh, oceanarium and it was the last place I wanted to go because I, I really feel that no cetaceans should be in captivity but I felt called to go and, and to give her healing and we had this incredible exchange where I gave her healing and we had this discussion about because she'd had a, um, a baby and she was so concerned about the constraints and the limitations and also the damaging effects of being in a uh, in captivity and so I said to her well remember that you can teach your baby that you can actually you know after travel you can leave your bodies you can journey wherever you want to and I think the, the stress of the situation had momentarily blocked that awareness within her and she came back later to me that evening and I felt her presence she had leant on my shoulder in the pool where I held her and gave her healing, and that night when I lay in my bed, she came back and I felt her presence. I felt the weight of her on my shoulder, and she then gave me healing, and it was so powerful. It was like I was lying in bed, um, juddering. It was so amazing and so beautiful to thank me for for what I'd done and also to allow me to understand why she'd chosen that role and why the other captive dolphins choose these very, very awful roles to be in captivity for the service that they they give to humankind. So she thanked you by giving you healing. That's really Yeah, powerful. absolutely. It, you, I see that on your website that you give classes uh, for other people to become animal communicators. Yeah, absolutely. I love to... It's not I'm teaching them, I remind them and I reawaken their innate skills because we can all do this. It just depends 
how open we are and how far we want to take it. I mean, as I said, as you've probably gathered, my uh, work has just expanded in so many weird and wonderful ways uh, in so many different dimensions that I would never have imagined when I first started. I first started by talking to a little Jack Russell puppy, and since then it's been houseflies to humpbacks. It's <laughs> just amazing. Um, so we can all do this, and I love to facilitate the remembering and the reawakening of these skills in people. And um, it's just been a great privilege to to facilitate these groups. And the animals are always the stars. We have the most amazing experiences when the animals that we work with switch people back on. And to see their faces when they get a message and it gets validated by the person they've been maybe trying to work with, they'll get a message from their animal and, and the person will say, yeah, that's absolutely right. And they go, wow. Uh, I was recently out in France running um, a two-day course out there, and we had some wonderful dogs and horses to work with and a donkey, and the animals were just amazing. Um, I always thank them in advance for the guidance that they're going to give us to reawaken the group to their abilities, and everybody leaves with a big smile on their face going, wow, but they've proved to themselves that they can actually do it, and it's it's just a huge um, privilege for me to to facilitate that. I love it, absolutely love it. Madeline, can you t uh, work with people? If they don't have a picture of their animal, can you feel the energy of the animal from them, or do you really need to have the picture? Oh, I'm so sorry you're breaking up again. I couldn't hear your question. I'm so sorry. Okay. If you, if you work with an individual's um, animal directly, you can, you know, you can feel their energy. Can you work from a picture? Or oh yes, absolutely. I have a lot of overseas clients because obviously I'm based in the UK, so I have many, many people okay. from all around the world uh, who send me a photograph of their animals, maybe in spirit or still on the physical plane. Sometimes I work from a hair sample as well, but if the animal has passed over, they just send me a photograph, and then I can intuit. Um, maybe past life connections that they've had together, maybe why the animal chose to pass at this time, and also how and when they may come back, in what uh, form they may come back. Sometimes the animals give me very clear pictures as to what they're going to look like when they come back and how that might um, come about. Um, in my most recent book, which is called Your Pet's Past Lives and How They Can Heal You, there's a little story there about a Rottweiler puppy called Brandy, who had died at a very young age, and her owner was devastated and asked if I could tune into Brandy and ask when she was going to come back and how she might come back. And this puppy said that she was going to come back uh, from a lady. She described what the lady would look like. She described exactly the situation that was going to be quite surprising and not the route that the lady had um, first thought. It was going to be quite a surprise. And she described say describe the breeder of these puppies down to her hair, her jewellery, um, everything. And a few months later, the lady um, sent me an email saying that she'd found this litter of puppies. She'd gone to see them. The lady, the breeder, was exactly how the puppy had described her. And she took one look at the litter, and the one puppy just stood out. And she knew it was Brandy, and she'd brought the puppy home. And the puppy just walked into her house as though she'd just just been out for five minutes, uh, and the other dogs recognized her. The puppy did all the things that the um, other puppy did before she died, had exactly the same 
mannerisms, idiosyncrasies, and she just knew she'd come straight back. So that was amazing. And so it's so lovely to be able to give people hope and, um, again, I think, reassurance that there is no sense of loss, that nothing and no one is ever truly lost. You know, we're, we're all eternal. We're, we're all, you know, just going around and around in our soul families, uh, reconnecting when the time is right. And the animals just know this so much better than us humans. They understand death and dying so much more than we do. They've, I've had it described to me as though it's just like stepping into another room and they're just eavesdropping and they can just drop in and out uh, of our physicality whenever they feel like it. But I've had, you know, just terrible grief from animals that I've loved and, and they've, they've passed over and they've come back to me and explained why they've had to pass over and what they're doing, that they're able to do so much better in spirit as they're free from their physical limitations. And that's helped me so much. It's, well, of course, we still miss that physical touch so much. But to know that they are right behind us, guiding us, and that they will come back to us, certainly helps me so much. Well, before about- I, I was going to say, let's give out your website, and then we'll give it out once again just before we leave. But if someone wants to uh, uh, actually see Madeline's beautiful website, it's www.anexchangeoflove.com. So we'll give that out one more time before. And you can see her books, and and there's so many things on the website. Thank you. Uh, Madeline, I needed to ask you also if um, by chance, if someone doesn't have a picture of their pet, can you pick up the energy of the pet and uh, work with them? Possibly, yes. If it's, um, you mean if their animals passed over, uh, that it would just be connecting with them. Sometimes if I speak to somebody, I can I can pick up things. They can if they tell me about their animal, um, and very often animals, if they start behaving in a certain way, um, very often it will be to do with what's going on for the owner. So uh, probably by intuiting the the person's energy and what's going on for them. Uh, it may well be that the animal is reflecting that. So the animal may behave in a certain way to flag up what the human needs to address. So very often people will call me out to see their animal, but actually their animal is saying, it's not me that has the problem, it's my human. You've got to help my human. And so sometimes they'll behave really badly in order for someone to call me out. So very often these animals are putting their homes and sometimes their lives at risk because they want to flag up the message that they want to help their owners. So I don't always have to see a photograph. That's, I can pick up things from uh, just speaking to somebody on the telephone uh, or on Skype, or even a photograph of the human if they don't have one of their animal. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing how the animals can find a way of getting through to help me help them. How beautiful. Mm. You were you were talking about um, what the cat um, gave you the message of having like a boardroom, a table where you can mm-hmm. you know talk like a meeting. And what I pictured, I have this cat. He's a clown, and I and he sits back against the wall and with his legs out. And I just pictured him <laughs> being at that table. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine just sitting there going, "Yeah, that's cool. Let's just." 
What are we going to yeah, write now? What do you want in your life now? Let's come on. Let's let's create it. Let's make this. Let's make this better. Let's come on. Let's have a a much better reality. So what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> so I can't wait till your new book comes out so that we can um, read about what the animals have told you that can help us. So that's so hurry up and get that book out. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing my best. Well, your pet's past lives has some of the rewrite stories in there. It doesn't have all the very new techniques, but it does have quite a few case studies of uh, past life rewrites. So um, it's. It, I oh. feel that it, you know it has helped a lot of people already. Um, but I just have so much more I want to share, which is why why I'm busy, busy writing. But um, your pet's past lives um, has some great great stories in there and great great uh, case studies of human and animal clients and connections and an amazing healing that the animals have created for their humans. I know uh, there's a lot of horse therapy um, they use for children that uh, have some, you know, that have had trauma in their lives or are, are handicapped in some way. That, uh, they're usually using horses so much for therapy now. Absolutely, and they have many centers which are used as equine-assisted therapy where their horses are the therapists. Uh, I ran a retreat at an amazing place in Canada where there's a whole herd of healing horses, and they have um, like therapy tables uh, out in, in outside the barn, and the herd of horses come around, and people lie on these healing tables, and the horses choose which human they want to go and work with. And there was a story of, of a lady who actually put me in touch with the owner of this amazing place who had um, a very nasty tumor behind her, her eye. And she spent a week there with these horses. And the horses every day came and breathed their healing breath on her face and, and specifically on her eye. And after a week, she went back for another medical checkup and the tumor had, had disappeared. Uh, just amazing. Oh. And it's it's just wonderful to experience the horses choose. You can see them. They you can see them um, scanning their the human bodies and deciding which ones are going to interact with which human. And even the ones that aren't actually out near the tables will stand in the barn. And I've witnessed them line up behind the wall of the barn, which is behind where the healing tables are, and they will be there in a whole row supporting the ones that are out there giving the healing. So it's like they're holding the space. And to witness these incredible horses doing this work is, is just phenomenal. And to lie on the table and have the horses giving you that healing, uh, I, w- I wanted to experience that as well for myself, as well as my my participants on my retreat. And um, oh, it was just beautiful, just amazing. And the things that happened there were quite emotional healing and physical healing, but just... 